1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> we'll start at verse 21 because that's where Bruce read this morning. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21. He says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who, who also will do it. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. And as we take a look at this information, may we allow your word be the final authority in all things that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, one of the things that we've been going through is uh, in the Sunday school issue is dealing with that threefold makeup of man. And what we find here is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, he tells us what that makeup is. And we've been looking at how all this stuff works together. And he starts off and he's got spirit. Then we've got soul. And then we've got body, right? And so then what's, what's Paul's prayer is that the very God of peace sanctify you how? Holy, completely. And I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the, here's the interesting part about it. Verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you who also will what? He's the, one that, he's the one that's going to do that, right? He's going to be the one that, do, that does that. Now, one of the things I do want to mention that I've not mentioned before is uh, if, if you all don't have this book, this is a book that I think everybody should purchase and have a copy of, and it gets into all this stuff. All right, so where where the things that we're talking from are talking about, technically it actually comes from Stan. All right, so he's got a book called Man, His Nature, and Destiny. All right, and he gets into the threefold aspect of, of, of what we are and how all that stuff works and, and those things. Um, I would suggest you get one of these booklets if you possibly can. All right. Um, and I will say this, they, they would have them in Chicago, so if anybody wants one and you want me to get you one, let me know. We can get it up there and save shipping, all right? Uh, so if anybody would like a copy of this book, um, this is a really good book to have, all right? So we've got one, two, anybody else? Three, four, five, six, all right, all right, huh? I don't know, free, yeah, free to whoever wants it. Uh, yeah. Huh? Yeah, there you go. Come back for the conference in June and, and we'll give you the tip now. Uh, I can get it to you quicker than that. But uh, this is a really good book and it, it, it gets into a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here. All right. And it's interesting. <clears throat> what Brother Jordan did is he took this work and kind of charted it out. Right. But all the all the stuff comes from from this book. So. Uh, it's a tremendous book, and I commend it to you. Um, and uh, I'll just we'll just we'll just get a bunch of them, and whoever wants them, we'll give them to you. All right. Uh, Cornelius Stam. He was the he was he was the founder of uh, Berean Bible Society, or he was one of the people that came through with Berean Bible Society um, a long, long time ago. He there's another book. I don't think I have it here. I've got it at home. 
There's another book that he did. It was The Controversy um, is the name of the, of the book. Uh, since then, since then, it's gone out of publication, and they brought it back under a different title. Um, and the sad thing is, is it went out of publication. Um, the book should have never gone out of publication. Um, and I might just get a bunch of those, too, because that's also an important book to have. What it is is letters that he wrote between him and other men in the early era, in the, the 20s, 30s, 40s, that area, uh, back then to be able to talk about things that, things that differ and kind of get into those issues of, of dispensational uh, Bible study and how it's, how it's done and why it's important. And so then there were people that would write letters saying, you know, you shouldn't be teaching this, and then he would respond to them. So he would just keep all the letters, and he published it. Um, and it contains everything that you're ever going to deal with with somebody outside of dispensational thinking, and it gives you a way to think about how to respond to them. Um, so that, like I said, that book went out of publication, and they brought it back. Um, and I'll, I'll just get a bunch of those too, because that's also an important book. Um, I'm not a big go read books fan. I'm more of getting the scriptures. But if you can, if you can take what somebody spent their lifetime getting, and you can read it, and within a few months assimilate that, and then work off of that, and then you make your study a whole lot, whole lot richer. Those are those are a couple books that I think everybody should have. Uh, Things that differ is also another one that we that we have that uh, would be a good one. But those two books, especially man, his, his nature and destiny gets into the stuff that we're talking about here. Okay. And why is it important for us to look at these issues? Uh, and, and we'll kind of see this as we go along. Um, we'll see how this stuff works out. Right. So first Thessalonians chapter five, verse 23 he says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And, of course, that word is completely, right? And, and that's, a, that's an important part for us to keep in mind is what is that word sanctify mean? It means to be set apart for a particular purpose, right? We are sanctified because we're set apart to do something. God has something he's doing today, and it's not that it's sanctified church has the idea that sanctified is that you're sinless right that's not what sanctified means sanctified means that you're set apart for a particular purpose and i've said before when rick warren came out with the book and all that stuff purpose-driven life he really missed an opportunity to do something with that title because there is a purpose for the life in which we have and if we're driven by that purpose then life that god's put in his word will be produced and like I said, he, he, he used a really good title and he made a mess out of it, all right? But let's go through some of these things, and I want us to be able to see some of these issues as we go through. Now, get, uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2, and um, just want to reiterate some of the issues that, that we've talked about before and, and, and gone through some of these things. The, the body in which we have, this is just a vehicle by which our soul and spirit moves through the earth right now, right? Now, when we take a look at those things, this is, this is one of those things that we see. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 
let's look at verse, let's look at verse 11. <clears throat> For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man, which is where? In him. All right. So one of the things that we know is that the spirit of man, where is it? It is in him. Right. And it's the issue of the spirit is in the body. The body is carrying about. And we've said this before. Your soul, that's you. That's who you are. You look the same, sound the same, all that fun stuff. Right. That's who you are. The spirit that we have and, and the soul that we have, who we are, those are two different things. And we'll see that in a moment. But notice, where is the spirit? The spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now, what we get into with this is, is it possible for man to know what God's doing if he's not saved? The answer is no. And that's what it says right there. Notice, even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the what? And that's a capital S, right? Who knows what God's doing is the spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God knows, knows what God's doing because He is the Spirit of God. Verse 12, notice it says, Now we have what? Received. That means that is something that is currently a possession that you have as a saved member of the Church of the Body of Christ. You have received something. What have we received? Not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of who? God, right? So when you're, when you're dealing with this, what spirit did you have before? The, the spirit of the world. And what have we done? It's the greatest exchange that you can ever imagine is God saying, I'm going to take that spirit and I'm going to do something else with it. Now, <clears throat> but the spirit which is of God, why? Why is it that we've received the spirit which is of God that we might what? Know the things that are freely given to us of God. That's the purpose of that. Um, real quick, go over to Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12 and in verse 1. Notice here, Zechariah chapter 12. Verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man, where? Within man or within him, right? So where is the spirit? It's in you. Now, what, what we're going to look at is these two things together. That's your inner man. And, of course, this over here would be what? Your outer man. What do we know? Though the outward man perish, the inner man is what? Renewed day by day. That's the issue, right? Now, get, uh, get Job. <clears throat> Job chapter 14. Um, we were over at uh, Moorhead yesterday and and uh, I forget where we went. It was some, some, it's one of those obscure verses that nobody really ever goes to. And I was like, if you've gone to the table of contents, that's okay, because you can find it there too. <laughs> It'll tell you what page number. So Job chapter 14, 
You can get there eventually, right? No, get a get a real Bible. It's so much better. Flip through the pages. <laughs> no, you can. It is. It is good. Job chapter 14. <clears throat> notice, notice here. Um, we'll just start in verse 21. His sons come to honor, and he knoweth it not, and they are brought low, but he per, he perceiveth it not of them. Notice, but of his but uh, but his flesh upon him shall have pain, and his soul where? Within him shall mourn. So where's the soul? Within him, right? So we know that this vehicle through which the spirit and the soul move through this life is this body, right? Now, there are folks, unfortunately, that don't think that soul and spirit are different, but they are, right? Just a few verses real quick on that. Go to Hebrews chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 12. And again, what we're going to start getting into is how all this stuff works, the makeup of man, why is it important for us to be able to, to see these things. <clears throat> So Hebrews chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4, notice this, <clears throat> verse 12, right? For the word of God is quick. It means it's alive. There's life there. That issue of, of not just being alive, but the issue that those words work. When you believe them, those words work, right? And how quickly does it work? It works quickly. So the issue of it being quick is not just that it's alive, but there's also power. And you see that in the next, next, next word. But there's, there's work that it does, and it works quickly the moment you believe it. For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. And of course, he's talking about the scriptures there, but he's also talking about every single word that's on the page. The words are there, and God has placed his life within those words. Right? When, when, and you stop and you think about this, we know that all scripture is given by inspiration, right? Well, we also talk about inspiration is what? It's God breathed, God speaks. You go back to Genesis chapter 1, and he says what? That the word of God, or the spirit of God, moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. The way that the Holy Spirit works is through God's word being spoken, and his word being believed. Now, when you think about at that particular time, when God said, in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth, there was nobody else there but himself, the, tri the, tri the trinity there, to believe his words and it was there right so you start thinking about those things is the the words that we have and that's why we care so much about the words on the page that's why we care about the king james bible that's why we make a big fuss about it because the words on the page matter and if the words on the page don't matter then why are we here <laughs> otherwise we're just here for a show to make ourselves feel better about ourselves whatever it may be but if, if something isn't right, then can we really believe it? The answer should be no. 
All right? But notice this. He says what? The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of what? So notice it says soul and spirit, not soul or spirit, whichever one you want it to be, right? What the Word of God can do is discern between your spirit and your soul. That's powerful. It knows the difference between your spirit and your soul. We don't know the difference. I can't look at you and see the difference between your spirit and your soul, but this book can. So when we come to this Bible, we should... Honor it as such, that it knows more about you, and I've said this before, this Bible knows more about you than your wife does or your husband does or your kids do or your mom and dad does or yourself. It, it'll reveal things to you about you that you didn't know until you read the verse. And then you got to stop and think, Is it, am I wrong? What I've taught wrong? No, the book's the issue, right? Notice, and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, again, you stop and you think about that. The book that we carry not only can tell the difference between your spirit and your soul, but it can also discern what you're thinking and the purposes by which you're thinking it. That's scary to think about sometimes, right? But that's the powerful word that we deal with, that we stand on. And so then when it comes to taking a stand on what Scripture says, it's not, well, I'm going to take a stand. No, it's the verses through me is what's taking a stand. That's the thing in which I've got the power, not in and of myself. This, the Scriptures do that, right? Verse 13, neither is, anything, is, is there any creature that is not manifest in the sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That's a sobering thought as well. Everything that we think, God knows. But not only that, but so do the verses. When we read this book, when we read the Bible, it knows why you're there. And if you're there for the wrong reason, you're going to find what you want to prove your wrong thinking correct. And it knows that you're doing that. Very sobering thought. And the fact that we've got this in our hands, you know, when, when, when you talk about wielding the sword, we talked about that last week. Delilah had the Bible in her hand. He's like, she's got a sword. It took her a second. She's like, okay. So then when you start talking about that armor of God and the fact that we have the sword of the Spirit, God put his life in these words. And as I said earlier, the inspiration, God breathed. When, when God formed man out of the dust of the earth, what did he do? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God breathed life into Adam, and his life is also breathed into this word. It's, it's amazing when you stop and you think about that. So then when you look at that, when God breathed his life into Adam, that was his spirit. And then what did we find out? Adam became a living soul. 
So again, you take, he, you take Genesis and you also see there's a difference between those two. The spirit and the soul are different. Um, Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> yeah. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We witness unto our soul. We witness unto our spirit mm -hmm. because that's how he relates to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good stuff. I mean, it, and we're just scratching the surface right now. But, I mean, that, that's that issue in Romans when you see that, where his, his spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. And that's why without having the spirit of God, God's spirit can't even relate to you because you don't have his spirit that relates to your spirit, not your soul. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's Bruce's verse of the week next week. But notice this, verse 23, and here's, here's, the real, here, here's a real problem for a lot of folks. Hebrews 12, verse 23. He says, To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the, not of, the new test, of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better, than, better things than that of Abel. Now, we can get into stuff with that, but notice <clears throat> there's, there's this issue here in verse 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of who? All. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. Those things that are written in heaven, notice, it's to, it's, you've got this issue of God's the judge of all, and the thing that a lot of people don't like is that God's going to judge them one day. And if, again, we were talking yesterday at Moorhead, if you can get rid of the judge, there is no judgment, right? But there's this issue of to the spirits of just men made perfect. Now, what do we know based on Hebrews 4 is, that those two things are different, and we'll see a little bit more as we go along. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, let's start here in verse 1. Just to get the context here. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. What's he talking about there is our earthly house of this tabernacle. He's talking about your physical body. But notice what's going to happen to that physical body is it's going to happen. What's going to happen to it? He says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, what's going to happen to your body if you die? It dissolves. That's something that we get to look forward to. But when that happens, we're gone. Right. But notice. 
For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. What's that tell us? You've got another body that's waiting on you. That's important to know. And you notice he says, for we know that. It's something we've got to know, but then we also need to what? Believe what we know. Right? And again, we'll get into that stuff again. Verse 2, for in this, and he's talking about this earthly house, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. <laughs> this old physical body, what are we doing in this physical body is we groan every day. And it's one of those things, I'm, I'm kind of convinced about something, and I don't know if we'll get into it or not, but <clears throat> you ever thought about as an unsaved person, your body is going to get older, decay, and all that stuff, right? You get older, you have aches and pains and all that stuff. And so there's suffering that's involved with unsaved people just because we live in a sin-cursed world. Um, we make bad decisions, and we end up getting hurt or whatever it may be. And then sometimes we'll make some decisions that uh, will suffer for Christ. But have you ever thought about an unsaved person they, they have the outward man suffering, and they deal with that. And then they make bad decisions, and they have that suffering as well. But have you ever thought about they have an inner man that doesn't suffer like our inner man suffers? <laughs> you ever thought about that? Our inner man, who you are now as a saved person, we're having to deal with this flesh, and we don't like it. And what are we doing? We, we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Our inner man, the more we know, the more we understand about what God's doing, the more we want to replace this outward man with that new body. Because we know that that new body exists. And we know that that new body doesn't have receding hairlines. There's a kid at school brings that up all the time. He's like, your hair is receding. I don't care. Do you know why? I've got a body waiting on me that doesn't have a receding hairline. I'm fine with that. But you look at the... I'm like, I'm not... Anyway. Huh? Do what? No, I'm, I'm scanning. I'm scanning. No, but I mean... That's, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, it's just. <laughs> so you don't open a can of worms it was about me and somehow I made it about Bob unknowingly. No, I apologize. But I mean, and that's, the kid brings that up and I'm like, you know, that's fine. I'm fine with that because I know that I've got a body that's not going to have that, right? I know that that's something waiting. I don't groan and, and complain about having it. But my inner man is looking forward to a time where it's not attached to a sin-cursed body. Right? So you stop and you think about that. We have a separate thing that we suffer this outer body because we know that there's something better waiting. You know, you think about the, those things. Verse 3, if so, be that, if, so, if so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, 
but clothed upon. It's the the the, the issue of the 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 issue of groaning being burdened. It's not that that we're not that we are we'd be unclothed, but be clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. We're we're dealing with things in this body inside is dealing with this body and having to carry this body around. And we know from the scriptures there's something better waiting on us and we're groaning. Our inner man groans having to still deal with this outward flesh. And you stop and you think about that. And that just verse five. Now he that hath wrought us for the self same thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's our groaning, is we want to be done with this outward flesh, and we want that body that we're going to be clothed upon. That's part of our, that's part of our, our inner man groanings, is that right there. That we want to be absent from this body to be present with the Lord. Verse 9. Wherefore, that's, and, and, and as we go through this, we'll notice, he says, wherefore we labor. If I'm going to have to deal with this outward body, I'm going to make it do as much as I possibly can right now to glorify God, whether it likes it or not. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Are you accepted of him? Yes. So then that's something that you automatically have right at the very beginning. The moment you get saved, you're accepted of him. And he says what? Because we know that we've got something waiting, we go and work. Right? And how does that work? Well, we'll see this. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Notice that for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The all there he's talking about is saved individuals, right? And that judgment seat of Christ is not the great white throne judgment. Those are two different, there's two different issues, right? Judgment seat of Christ, notice, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that, here's the purpose, every man, every everyone may receive the things done, what's that next word? Not with, right? What's in your body? Your inner man. Your soul and your spirit. What are you doing there? I don't care about this. We don't care about what happens, what this body produces. We're caring what this produces. And that's what, that's what the judgment's going to be about. What are you producing in your inner man? Well, the question is, is how is it that you labor? Well, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We labor with God. And we're building a foundation, building on the foundation and he says, take heed how, how you build thereupon. What are you building with? Are you building with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble? And a lot of people have said, well, um, gold, silver, and precious stones, that's going to non doors and knocking on doors. Have you ever met Jesus? That's not what it is. It's what are you taking out of this book that you know, and you build that up in your soul by believing it. Right? Now, what happens is once you, and, and again, we've talked about this before in Romans 6, right? You know some stuff, 
you reckon it to be true, that means you've actually believed what you now know. And then over here, you say body, you're going to yield to what I've built up in my soul and my body's going to, I'm going to make my body go do something that's built up here. Right? And I say, you're going to yield to what the scripture says. Not just what the scripture says, but what I believe. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, what do we know happens? The word of God works effectually in you when you what? Know it? No. When you believe it. What happens is when we take information here that we know, and of course, the scriptures are what we intake here. We know some stuff. What our goal is, is we take this stuff here and we store it up there and we build with that material. Right? And when Paul says of what sort it is, as we've said before, <clears throat> there's wisdom there, but also we talked about last week, there's wisdom of the world too. Bruce read the verse this morning in James. But there's a wisdom of this world that says what? I care about that right there. And the, and the wisdom of this world, we, we went back and we looked that's the corrupted wisdom that Satan produces. That's the course of this world in Ephesians 2. That we were, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we walked according to that corrupted wisdom, not even knowing it. Do you know why? Because you don't have access to that wisdom as an unsaved person. You're not going to understand it. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that. So then, as we look here, the only person that can be judged for what they're building up in their soul is a saved person. And what God's going to do is he's going to say, what have you stored up there? And our body's going to have to yield to what we believe. Now, one of the easiest places that you see that is, well, not easiest, but... <clears throat> What's that produce in us? You know, you read, you read Galatians chapter 5, and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That's fruit that the Spirit produces, not us. When we know something and believe it, it produces something over here. When Paul talks about, I labored more than they all, in, in 1 Corinthians 15... He's talking about, he says, it's not me, not yet not I, but it's the grace of God that was with me. What's interesting is, and you know, we, we, we talk about this a lot, but one of these days when we go stand before the judgment seat of Christ, God's going to look at what? The things done in his body. That's this. What's in your body is your soul and your spirit. What are we doing here? That's what matters. Not what the flesh produces, but it's what the spirit produces here in your inner man. 
That's the idea of when, when Paul says, present your body <clears throat> a living sacrifice in Romans 12. <laughs> He's saying, make your body do what you believe. Let the word work through you. So in that part where it says in his body pertaining to the judgment, he says, mm-hmm. I think I've been in the wrong here for a while. So if I've always thought that meant things you do in the body, being a member of the body of Christ, but it's actually talking about our soul, spirit, and soul. Your spirit and soul. And it's saying if you store up all that information, a book's worth, mm-hmm. in your spirit, mm-hmm. but you never reckon it be, to be true in your soul, well, the idea, yeah. Right? Well, and the idea there is there's one reward, right? And of course, we won't we won't get into all that stuff. But yeah, that's the idea, and that's why we said a few weeks ago, you're gonna have a whole bunch of stuff that you know, and it means nothing until you take those things that you know and actually trust in them. And it's really, what do you know are the scriptures? What verses do you know? And that's why we said, when you go through life, what do you need to have when you go through a problem is you need a verse to go to. The first one I would suggest is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. You walk by faith, not by sight. Don't get caught up with everything out here or this. We walk by what? Faith in what God's word actually says. Because his book is the issue. Not us. It's his life that's being put on display here in the body. Now, whereas his life being displayed is right here, and it's being manifested in the mortal flesh. And as we go through and think about those things, notice he says <clears throat> that every everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Can you store up bad doctrine here? Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is, and we did this on Monday night as we're going through what's gold, silver, precious stone, what's wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and stubble is actually you as a saved person taking corrupted wisdom and storing it up there. Bad doctrine. You take corrupted wisdom and we store it up there and what's it do? It doesn't produce anything because it won't. So that's going to get burned up one day. And the good news is, and this is why I've always said, I see the judgment seat of Christ as something to look forward to because all the bad stuff that I've stored up throughout the years goes away. And all I'm left with is his perfect righteousness, and that's it. And he's going to go and present each one of us as holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight to the Father. That's a wonderful thing to think about. That's our future. Can you be saved and not get any reward at the judgment? No, because you're, you're, no, you're still part of it. Yeah, because it's the reward of inheritance. You still inherit. The reward, the singular reward, there's a singular reward that's the reward of the inheritance. You're still there. You're still part of what God's doing to glorify the other members of the Godhead. 
Now, when, and, again, and of course, when we always say this right here, Ephesians 3, 9 doesn't say that to make all men see the mystery to where they can understand what's, what God's doing in the mystery program. It's fellowship of the mystery. There is a fellowship that goes along with the mystery and part of that fellowship has to do with the hidden wisdom of God working inside his people to produce his life and put it on display in each individual person. Huh? That is the body. Yes. And so then the fellowship of the mystery has to do with it's God putting his life on display through his group of people and individuals, as, as, as we'll see. And what's going on there is the whole purpose of that fellowship, who's involved in that fellowship is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we are too. It's amazing. And we've said this before, the Father's whole purpose is to glorify the Son and the Spirit. The Son's purpose is to glorify the Father and the Spirit. The Spirit's purpose is to glorify the Father and the Son. They have a fellowship. There's something that we get to be a part of that fellowship now, and we get to be a part of glorifying the three in one, one day, and forever. <laughs> but not just then, but we can do it now. I've always said, I feel that this is, I shouldn't say I feel, I know from the scriptures that this is a dress rehearsal for eternity. Because we're going to continually come to the knowledge of the truth forever and ever and ever and ever. When he talks about in, in Ephesians 2, he talks about in the ages to come. That's ages plural. There's going to be an age where he's going to reveal more about his glory. We're going to learn about it. There's going to be another age where he reveals more about his glory. We're going to learn about it. We're going to be partakers of that glory. So when, when you go to... When you go to Second Second Timothy chapter two, <clears throat> verse one, or my bad, verse. Well, let's just look at verse verse ten real quick. Second Timothy chapter two, verse ten. Notice Second Timothy two ten. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with what? Eternal glory. There is, there is a salvation that we have which is in Christ Jesus that has what attached to it? That's His glory that's attached to it. And what He's saying now is, we have an opportunity to take these things that he's written down, know them, believe them, and yield to them, and we get to be a part of glorifying God, not just out in the ages to come, which is going to be fantastic, but he's saying you can do that now. But the problem is that sometimes we get caught up here, and that's why Philippians 4, 8's been, 4 8 and 9 has been my favorite verses the last three years. Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> so the elect in that scripture, just so I'm clear, mm -hmm. is the people of God's foreknowledge that you would, in that particular scripture, who are the elect? 
um, the elect's sake, we're the elect. We're part of Christ. It's not that he foreknew that we would get saved, but once we get placed, elect is a, is a, is a, it's, it's, it's something that Christ is. And once we're placed into him, we're part of the elect because we're attached to him. Yeah. Yeah. Philippians 4, 8. Time goes by way too quickly. Philippians 4, let's start at verse 7. <clears throat> and the peace of God. Now, if you remember first, first, first Thessalonians chapter 5, he starts off, talks about the God of peace, right? Sanctify you holy. Notice here, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds. Now, do you know what that is? your mind that's your heart it's what you think with it's what you believe with and he says what and here's the issue shall keep your hearts and minds through christ he doesn't talk about the body but what's he keeping the 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 understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through christ jesus finally my brethren what sweat by the way the folks in philippi are going through some physical stuff Right, and one day we can talk about that. But notice here in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Well, where are you going to find those things? Scriptures, not over here. Right? Verse nine: Those things which have both learned, which you have both learned and what received, you not just learned it, but you've actually reckoned it. You've received it, right? And heard and seen in me what do? And the God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace, which by the way will sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body. Now, it's not the best place to stop, but the clock says we need to stop. But here's the something I want you to think about. Your spirit, and we'll look at these next time, but I want to make sure that we see this. Your spirit has a God conscience. Your soul has a self-conscience. And your body has a world conscience. How is it that we participate in the world is this. Your soul, that's who you are. The Spirit's what allows us to communicate with God. Now, when we talk about when Adam fell, we now inherit a dead spirit, a dark soul, and a depraved body. The only thing your body knows how to do as an unsaved person is do what the world tells it. You don't know any better. You don't have access to that. 
you know, in John where it talks about, and this is always hard for people, where it talks about God doesn't hear this, the prayers of the lost. So then can you tell somebody that's lost, pray this prayer and get saved? No. Yeah, think about that stuff, right? But it's an interesting thing, all right? With your spirit, you reason, you think. With your soul, you believe, you know, you receive. With your body, you react. What are we reacting based on this or based on this working through us, right? Now, like I said, we're just, we're just getting started. Um, we're to this part on my, on my card three messages we're not in it far there's a bunch still left to go we're still going to look some more about the spirit and soul how that stuff works the body how that works um we'll take a look at those things um how you how our emotions should function um and and how each of those how each of those parts work together sometimes against right so we'll stop there